Give your thanks, Father, for those words. We know you are here to fill us. That will be instruments in your hands for the revival that is being awaited. Have your way in every life, every soul young and old, that Jesus may be glorified. In the name of Jesus. Good morning, church. We are going to be looking at two scriptures now. One is um, Luke chapter 4, verse 18, and then Romans chapter 8, verse 11, 12, and 13. In Luke chapter 4, 18, it reads, King James, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken hearted to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Romans 8, 11, 12, 13. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also quicken or give life to your mortal bodies through the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. But if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. Our topic this morning is the Holy Spirit as an agent of revival. The Holy Spirit as an agent of revival. I'll start my message this morning with a story. The story of um, an Armenian American dairy farmer, Demoshakarayan. It was in the fall of 1951. The demo shared with Ora Roberts a burden and a vision of his heart. It was a story and a vision of a vast global movement of laymen, ordinary men who were becoming extraordinary because of the power of the Holy Spirit. These men knew the Lord and who were able to talk about the Lord. But beyond that, they were able to demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. 
and in the meetings. An explosive ministry led by spirit-filled men. This vision or a robot shared with him. He bought into it and was ready to help him launch the ministry he was seeing in his vision. In October 1951, at Clifton Cafeteria in downtown Los Angeles, They met for the beginning of this fellowship. The cafeteria sits about 400 people. And so they had hoped or planned for between 300 and 400 men in that Saturday morning. The Moshakaran have forgotten his vision of spirit-filled men, and was beginning to focus on the fact that Ora Roberts was a world-renowned evangelist and was going to feature at the speaker that morning. And so, preparing for 400 men, they discovered at the end of the day, it was only 21 people that attended, including the wife of Demos, Roshakarian, Ura Roberts, and Demos himself. Of course, it was a seeming failure. It was also understandable because instead of trusting the Holy Spirit, he had begun to trust in the man of God who was built to speak that day. However, before the end of the meeting, because the robots had to speak for just 20 minutes, he prayed a prophetic prayer that changed the atmosphere of that morning's meeting. His prayer was, Lord Jesus, let this fellowship grow in your strength alone. Let it get matching across the nation, across the world, in your power. Thank you, Lord Jesus, because here today, we see few people in a cafeteria, but you see a thousand chapters. The prophetic word of a fellowship growing in the power and strength of God alone and the vision of a chapter, a thousand chapters, and miss just 21 persons, change the atmosphere of the whole cafeteria. The power of God was like searched, and they began to hold their hands, and began to march with a song, onward Christian soldiers, marching as to war. Of course, the Moshekarian going home was so sure that within the next one year, it was going to be quite explosive. But he also kept forgetting something, that it was going to grow only in the power of the Holy Spirit. Being an influential and a wealthy man, he thought that the work of God could go ahead because of the money or the influence or the people that he knew. So after 14 months, this was how he summarized everything that happened. And that was in December of 1952. He said, after 14 months, of meetings, thousands of miles of travels, 
telephone calls, letters, free breakfast adverts in order to entice men to come. And 100% of my energy, the fellowship seemed dead. Our last meeting, previous last meeting, he was saying, had six men less in attendance than when they started in 1951. That was the fellowship that started with 21 people went down to 15 men. It was so frustrating. What added more trouble to him was that that same day, one of the directors of the fellowship by the name of Minor Agam Bright called him and said, Demos, if you give me this entire outfit for five cents, says, I'm not going to take it. So this is why I am saying this, because if miracle does not happen between today and next Saturday, you should better count me out. Of course, the whole week was something else for the Moshakaran. It was a week of boarding, a week of sorrow. He said every day for the week long, he will carry tears in his eyes. While he drove to the office, he will suddenly start crying. And this happened until Friday night. Had a visitor by Tommy Hikes. Tommy Hikes, he spoke to him and said, Tomorrow will be the end of the full gospel, Businessmen's Fellowship International. Because they have planned to close it up. The wife was also in agreement. Say, God is in something, he prospers it. But you cannot say that this fellowship has prospered. But that night he says something. He says, I will go into my living room and fall down on my knees until I hear from the Lord on this matter. Of course, as soon as he was close to the living room, he discovered the power and presence of the Holy Spirit overwhelming him. The Holy Spirit brought him on his knees. And the next he was flat on the floor. And then he had seven words that changed everything. Say, Demos. Will you ever doubt my power? No. He will pray in tongues. He will worship with his mind. The presence and the uh, was pulsating through the whole living room. And so he began to hear God say, I am the one that opens the door. I am the one that removes cinder from unseen eyes. Of course, it was a miraculous word because God had been telling him, you cannot advance this ministry without the Holy Ghost. And so for that so hundreds of miles or thousands of travels, he found himself in Germany, found himself in Vienna, found himself in Italy, trying to find people to help him launch this fellowship. But it wasn't going. Of course, when they got to Germany, a pastor took him to his church that was demolished by bombing after when there was a little war. And he showed him how one Sunday a bomber plane came around their church and they went down to the bunker. While they were hiding in the bunker, several bombs were released. When they came out of the bunker to go from the church, they discovered that the door had been sealed because the bomb fire of the bomb had melted the doors and sealed them in. They were, they didn't know what to do. 
the little oxygen they had, they were wondering what to, how to conserve it. The entire church decided to kneel and cry unto God. Where they said, God, you are the only person that can help us. And they waited a little. The same plane returned. And when it came back the second time, it dropped one more bomb. But this bomb was only effective in banging the doors open. They fired out of the church and went home rejoicing. But Demos didn't understand that it would take God alone to open such doors. Even the doors of revival. Of course, when they were leaving Germany, they decided to travel with train or by train to Vienna. And in spite of the warning that nobody should bring his head out of the window, Demos dared that. He bought a camera in Germany and was trying to take pictures. And a cinder just plucked into his eyes. And the pain was excruciating. So as soon as they got to their hotel room, they called for a doctor. Of course it was visible. The doctor ordered immediate surgery. And while they were preparing to take him into the theater, something happened. The wife said, they must let us pray. Lay hands on him and pray the simple prayer. And the whole scene that the wood, the whatever it was, disappeared completely. By the time the doctor came back, looked into the eye, there was not even any sign that anything ever entered that eye. There was not a sign that there was ever at any point something pierced into the eye. That was what God was saying. I am the one that takes away sin that from the unseen eyes. Say, and I will make you to see indeed. At that point, the wife prophesied. God, the wife had come in playing Hammond organ and said, My son, I knew you from before you were born. I planned your life. I've directed you every inch of the way. I'm going to show you the purpose of your life. Then the vision came. I won't give you the details. But the point was he was able to see the America from East Coast to West Coast, saw the world, and saw men all over the world. And they were locked up in their own dead. They were chained and manacled. And they were all dead men. Even though they were standing up and were seemingly in unity, but they were dead. When he saw that the people he saw walking around the world were dead, he cried and said, God help them. The wife prophesied again and said, what you are going to see next will happen soon. The world began to turn again, and this time instead of dead manacled and shackled people, he saw these men liberated, hands lifted up. They were worshipping God, and in communion and community of uh, praise and uh, fellowship and worship. And that was the history of the happiest people on earth. And so the Moshaka ran the next morning that was supposed to be the end of the fellowship. Even though they were fewer in number, it happened to be the most important and enjoyable fellowship since 14 months before. And so that morning, two things that happened I want you to listen to. Number one, the man that said that the fellowship was not worth five cents a week before gave him an envelope he concluded was his resignation letter. It was not. When he opened the envelope, it was a check of one thousand dollars. And he said to him, Minor, last week you said the fellowship was not worth five cents. What for? In favor of the fellowship? 
He said, forget about last week. Say, all night long, the Spirit of God was talking to me that this fellowship must go around the world and that he was going to give the first donation. Another man said to Demos, I have something you will be interested to listen to. This man was a man that drove 400 miles all night in order to attend a fellowship in the morning. His name was Thomas Nickel. Thomas Nickel says, Sir, when I finish work around 12 a.m. in the night, the Spirit of God said, Enter your car and begin to drive down to attend the fellowship you had attended once. And so this man, Thomas Nickel, entered his, uh, his car, left Watsonville, 400 miles north of Los Angeles, to attend that meeting that morning. I said, God kept saying to me, this fellowship must go around the world, but not without a voice. I am here to donate my printing press and my services for the production of what was to be called the full gospel businessman's voice. Now, what changed everything? What changed everything was the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. The next 12 months or 10 months, about 9 chapters of the fellowship was formed all over United States of America. That Clifton cafeteria that was holding less than 21 people a week began to have more than 600 to 700 men trying to squeeze into the fellowship every Saturday morning. We are looking at the Holy Spirit as the agent of revival. The fellowship that started in 1951 is in more than 160 nations of the world today. It has more countries hosting it than United Nations has. When our Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to Luke chapter 3, 4, was on the earth, 30 years of his life, there was nothing practically to show for it. But a day came at the age of 30, at the bank of River Jordan, he knelt down and was praying. And suddenly, the heaven was opened unto him. And the Spirit of God alighted upon him in a bodily form as a dove. He returned back to Nazareth, full of the Holy Spirit. In chapter 4 verse 1, being led by the Holy Spirit, he entered into a wilderness. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, he faced a period of 40 days of praying and fasting and strengthened. At the end of which, he was able to surmount all the temptations that came his way. In verse 14, he returned from the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. In verse 18, he was in a synagogue on a Sabbath day 
where he was given the scripture to read and he found the place where we had read before where it was written the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor he has sent me to heal the broken hearted and to bring deliverance to the captives and to also declare the acceptable year of the Lord. After reading that scripture, he returned the Bible or the word back to the, them and said, Today, these words are fulfilled in your ears or hearing. And with that, he spoke such powerfully under the anointing of the Holy Ghost that men and women marveled. There's what doctrine exists. He speaks so graciously. And when he left the temple, he went straight into Peter's home. And the mother-in-law who was sick was laid hands on. I was healed. And by the next Saturday, he was in Capernaum and also went to, into the temple. And while he was speaking graciously, for people could testify of the power of God that attended his words. Somebody that was possessed by demon who had remained in the church over the years suddenly began to shout. We know who you are. The son of the most high God. You are here to torment us before our time. And so on. He silenced the demon, cast the demon out. By the evening of that day, from all over the villages, people were trooping to see this man who had been revealed in the power of the Holy Ghost. And of course, they came with their sick, with their possessed, with their, uh, with their maimed. Every one of them who was prayed for was also healed. People came from Decapolis. People came from across Jordan. People come from all these cities, big and small, to listen to a man who has been endued with the power of the Holy Ghost. And when Peter reported about what happened in the ministry and life of Jesus, he said, Even Jesus that came out of Nazareth, how that God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, how that he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, because God was with him. God was with him in the person of the Holy Spirit. And all the prodigies, all the people following him, all the multitude, all the disciples, we are a product of a man who has yielded himself to the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We are looking at the Holy Spirit as the agent of revival. Revival is turning people back to God. Although you can call that spiritual awakening, but until the people of God are revived, the unbelievers can never be awakened. And so, revival does not take effect until God's people begin to yearn and hunger for it. And the open door that leads to the revival of the people of God is the outpouring 
of the Holy Spirit. If you remember the story in Joel chapter 2 verse 28, it says, shall come to pass afterwards, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams upon my handmaids, and upon my men servants will I also pour out my spirit in those days. And there will be signs in heaven and wonders on earth. But verse 32 says, And whosoever that shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit opens the door to the revival of the people of God that opens the door to spiritual awakening and conversion of the ungodly. Let me still take us back to Acts of the Apostle chapter 2. In Acts of the Apostle chapter 2, if we read from verse 1 following, the scripture tells us that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly they heard that there was a sound like that of a mighty rushing wind which filled the room where they were, parting or dividing upon each and every one of them was a cloven tongue as of fire. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance or the ability to speak. That was the story of the arrival or the outpouring of the Holy Spirit after Jesus had ascended back to heaven. From that point, people from Cappadocia, from all over the world, who had come to Jerusalem because of the Feast of Pentecost, we alerted because of the noise that went abroad. They gathered together. Some were saying, these people were drunk. Others were saying, they cannot be drunk. We are hearing them clearly, speaking the marvelous works of God in our own dialects. Yet, these people were near Galileans, uneducated. Mainly a crop of fishermen. Why they were agreeing, drunkenness, not drunkenness. Peter stood up and addressed the audience that had gathered. Reminding them what I already quoted from um, the book of Joel. That it was the outpouring that was promised. But the interesting thing was that at the end of the speech of Peter, all the sinners that had him were caught to their hearts. Because he had begun to tell them they needed to repent. Because Jesus they crucified had been honored as both Lord and Savior. In that instant, 3,000 men trooped out to hand their lives over to Jesus. That was the story of the beginning of the revival in Acts of the Apostles. It was not only that 3,000 men gave their hearts to Jesus, the 
unity that came to the church was unprecedented. It was not only that the church became united, the fear of God began to cover the entire land. It was not only that, towards the last verse, you will read that men were added to the church daily as many as have been ordained unto eternal life. The revival that was stirred up by these fishermen was a product of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that took place in chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. Maybe I'll also take us to chapter 9 of the Acts of the Apostles. On his way to Damascus, with a letter from the high priest, to arrest adherents to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Saul of Tarsus was met by our Lord Jesus in a great encounter we know about. And when Saul repented, he said unto him, What would you have me do? The Lord said unto him, Go straight into Damascus in the street called Straight. You'll find a particular house of a man for Ananias or Judas now. And when he got there, he sent another man called Ananias. Say, go and lay hands on him that he may receive his sight. Remember, he was blinded. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. For he is a chosen instrument of mine. He will take the gospel both to the people, that is the Jews, and to the Gentiles. And I will show him how much he will suffer for my name's sake. And when eventually Ananias got to the house and lay hands on the brother Paul, his eyes were opened. And the Holy Ghost came upon him. Straight away in Damascus, Apostle Paul stirred up a revival. A revival that drew attention of the leaders of the people and of the leaders of Damascus. And they sought to arrest him, but he was dropped down through a window or through the wall. And he was on his way. From that point, the Apostle Paul stirred up what you may call worldwide revival in the Demo world. He moved from Asia and was able to bring nations, gods and goddesses of nations to their knees with the gospel of our Lord Jesus because of the power of the Holy Spirit. He took the gospel further out of Asia. When he was able to preach the gospel within two years or so, the whole of Asia, he took the gospel to Macedonia, breaking from Asia to Europe. Apostle Paul was later to talk a little about the Holy Spirit in his life. He said it acts in First Corinthians chapter 14, 2, 4, 14, 15, 18. He said, When I speak in tongues, my spirit prays, my understanding is unfruitful. Says, I will pray in tongues with my spirit, I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing in tongues with my spirit. I will also sing my under, with my understanding. If you read it in Amplified Version, 
He said, when I pray in tongues with my spirit, he said, my spirit within me prays by the Holy Spirit. He was beginning to let us know that the Holy Spirit was not only responsible for the power he carried. The Holy Spirit was responsible for the life he lived. In verse 18 he said, I thank my God. I speak in tongues more than you all. And also got into this ministry of making sure that they don't just get people saved. They got people filled with the Holy Ghost and also spoke in tongues. Because if they knew and believed that the Holy Spirit was an agent for revival as they experienced they needed not to just get people saved and leave them like that. They needed to get people saved and also filled with this power so that revival will never come to an end. That's why when you read Acts chapter 10, 44 to 46, the Bible said Peter took the gospel to the Gentiles in Caesarea Philippi to a house of a man called Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as Italian regiment. And while Peter was yet speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on all that had him. And those of the circumcision who came with Peter we are amazed that upon the Gentiles also was the Holy Spirit given as it was given to them in the beginning. For they had them speak in other tongues and magnified God. Verse 46. Several years later, the Apostle Paul found himself in Ephesus. He had brought the gospel to Ephesus. Diana of Ephesus was in tumult because of the power that they, they, that, that Paul's, Paul's life exuded. But he made 12 people in Ephesus, sinning believers, they were preaching the message. All they knew was actually the baptism of John. There was little or no power in the word they preached. So in chapter 19 verse 2. Of Acts of the Apostles. The Apostle Paul asked them a question. When he saw the twelve of them. said did you receive the Holy Spirit. When you believed. And they answered. We did not know. Whether there was any Holy Spirit given. Paul asked the next question. Into what baptism were you then baptized? They said, unto the baptism of John. Of course, John baptized the baptism of repentance, urging people to wait for the coming of the Lord, or the manifestation of the Lord. And when they received the gospel, he took them down to the stream or river, whatever, and baptized them in the water. Verse 6 says, and when Paul had laid hands on them, the twelve of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues and prophesied. Of course, the rest of the story of Ephesus you read in the God, in the Ephesians, the Paul's letters to the Ephesians. You discover Ephesians became one of the most deep-rooted deep churches in the issues of who we are in Christ, what we have in Christ, what we can do in Christ and through Christ, and also our responsibilities in Christ and through Christ. And if you read the letter to the Ephesians, or the, or the message to the Ephesians in Revelation, you discover that the Ephesians was actually one church that actually served the Lord, and that Ephesus was conquered 
for the Lord Jesus because of the anointing, because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me begin to round up. Because I want us to know that if you take the Holy Spirit out of the church, the church will become as normal and nominal as Buddhism, Hinduism, Judaism, and all the isms of the world. The power that makes Christianity what it is, is the power that came down on the day of Pentecost. And since the day of Pentecost, you know I tried to share the revival amongst what you may call laymen that started this full gospel. Many of us are part of it. I was at Omaha yesterday at a meeting of the full gospel trying to share some of what the Holy Spirit is had done and what is yet to do. Unless you open yourself up. Because my greatest worry, this your church is one of the greatest churches I may be, not just in this nation. Do you know why? I've spoken and ministered amongst Pentecostals, amongst different groups of people. There is no church that does Holy Ghost baptism maybe once or twice a year like this church. I mean, just setting a day for people to receive the Holy Spirit. There is none. Even amongst us, the full gospel business fellowship, it is no longer the tradition of our founder. In the beginning, you cannot be registered as a member of full gospel until you are not just born again, you are filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Today has been watered down. And you may see leaders who are leading us, who are not even filled. There are really opportunities for people to come out and be filled again. And this is little wonder why laxity, sleepiness, complacency has enveloped the church of our Lord Jesus. I'm making a call this morning for us to Desire to be filled. The prophecy said as much. It is those that are thirsty that are filled. It is those that are hungry that are satisfied. As you will read in John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39. In the last day of the feast, that great day, Jesus stood up and with a loud voice he cried, if anyone tests, let him come unto me and drink. As the scripture says, He that believes on me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This is paid concerning the Holy Spirit. With those that believed on him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given. For Jesus was not yet glorified. If anyone tests, why is there little or no test in the church again? Do you know that it's not only that you get revived, you become an agent of revival by looking and receiving the Holy Ghost. You, be, you know my first convert was actually after I was filled with the Holy Ghost. In 1981, spoke in tongues, returned home, then it was a, almost a net tema to talk about born again in, my, in the Anglican church in those days or talk about even praise the Lord. No, no. It is, uh, it, it was, uh, Jehovah uh, Say praise the Lord. And, uh, 
And Nikwenwa would come down from where he was at, uh, there he was a canon then at, um, uh, St. Andrews and, and slap out of the person. It was that time that I knelt down, received the Holy Ghost, spoke in tongues. So when I came home, I wouldn't speak aloud. I'll speak very well in my house. Even when I come to church, I still speak, but I'll be speaking. Are you hearing me now? But I'm speaking in tongues. And then it started happening. I was still teaching Sunday school. People began to say, there is something you have we need to have. The first person got born again by there are no person God, but I lay hands on that first wife. She spoke in tongues. That was about the time, 84, 85, I was going to the university. By the time I came back home, this little girl had turned the home, the church, upside down. People lined up, lay hands on us, let her receive what Stella had got. Revival had broken out. I knew revival broke out. We will go out on evangelism. Little, little boys and girls will come back. We open the blind eye. The other person say, we healed an ulcer patient. The, the, the result of it is that you can't pocket Christianity in my place again. Praise the Lord. The revival has not died off. What's on your mind? What's on your mind? Why do you think you don't need the power of God in your life? Do I talk about what God is doing? Not, because what provokes God? I, did I share last year about my cousin or, or elsewhere? Who, a, a, a gynecologist, Dr. Maliko, he is my cousin, first cousin. Some of you doctors here may know him. He has spondylosis, all the intravertebrate is broken down, degenerated. He couldn't do surgery again. He can't even stand up in a public, he will fall. He was good for surgery at, uh, at Abuja. There's this uh, Turkish hospital at Abuja. They come from Turkey, do surgery and return. He called me. Was 26, the, uh, call me December of 2018, says, I'm dying. Money was not the issue, even though the surgery will cost between 2.5 to 4 million. But money is not his problem. He was afraid it was a 50-50 kind of thing. You know, I said, I'm coming home to lay hands on you and get you healed. He doesn't believe in Jesus like we do. But there is a reason why I'm telling this story. When we got home on 26th of December, that 2018, I lay hands on him, spoke to the broken down intravertebrates. I commanded them to be recreated. I spoke to his nerves. I spoke to everything that needed to be talked to. We left. By February, he didn't call us. He nobody called us. But by March, the wife called my wife. I said, "Did he came talk to you? Call you?" I said, "No." He says because Choma called and said, "Oh, Peter said he came could not be helped because Oh, Peter said they were in a meeting. That's what these are my cousins, and they were somewhere." He will usually come close to Dr. Maliko so that in case he was collapsing, he will help him up. He said, he came close and he said, no, I don't need that anymore. Simon prayed for me and it is all over. Now, it's not yet the point. The point was like around May or June, he called the daughter and said, is it possible that that recreative miracle Simon spoke about when he prayed has happened. He said, I think I will come to Enugu to repeat all those tests 
And if I discover that that recreating miracle happened, I will ask Simon to stop preaching Jesus. I will take over from him from that point and I will preach Jesus. This is a year plus now. No more drugs. No more pain. In fact, he called me and said, Do you know I have returned to doing press up? One exercise I had enjoyed all my life. Do you think he will not serve Jesus? Forget about it. He will. For the, the testimony recently is that things are changing fast around his life. And I see him not only receiving Jesus, receiving the Holy Spirit, and becoming another agent of revival. His influence is widespread. And that will mean he's a strategic soul that will lead men into the kingdom. It takes the Holy Ghost. Friends, there are things we have been, we are not called to just go to heaven. If you think you are just called to be born again, go enjoy in this and go to heaven, then you don't understand the purpose of your calling. The purpose of your calling is that you will be like Jesus in everything. That he may be the firstborn among many brothers. That's the purpose. And the purpose is that just like for the sake of souls, Jesus died on the tree. He wants us to carry the same compassion and burden for the souls of the dying world, including those of these uh, mighty Allah people and all these people that are after our lives. But we cannot do that without the power of the Holy Ghost. That is the truth. As we start to pray this morning, it's still up to you. If you desire, if you sincerely desire to be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, nothing is going to stop you. If you are not born again, you get born again and you get filled with the Holy Ghost. If you are already filled with, if you are already born again, you will come out and you will be filled with the Holy Ghost. With the evidence of speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is sweet. It's beneficial. It's very important. You cannot do without it. Unfortunately, many of us that should speak in tongues and you are filled, you, you don't know what you have. And so in every circumstance, you, you are just managing. And that's why you are discouraging people that are not filled with the Holy Ghost from getting filled. It says, he says, so and so is filled, but he's not doing anything better than me. It's because you are filled with the Holy Ghost, but you don't know that after you are filled with the Holy Ghost, you will practice speaking in tongues daily. And when you speak in tongues, you will defy yourself. You build up yourself like a house. You, you, you lift up yourself so that you become lifters of others. When you speak in tongues, you talk mysteries to God. You speak mysteries to God. Nobody understands you. In your spirit, man, you'll be speaking mysteries to God. You speak deeper than your mind can fathom. When you speak in tongues, you pray in other tongues. You pray well. Because the Holy Spirit will keep helping your inability. You will be making intercession. You will be making intercession through you. With a groaning that cannot be uttered in articulate language. When you speak in tongues, you give thanks well. You magnify God. He opens a door to prophesying. To speaking the mighty and marvelous works of God. When you speak in tongues, you can sing psalms, you can sing spiritual songs like we have today that carries the message of God in it. When you speak in tongues, you give attention to prayer points you would not have conceived. But speaking in tongues, the Spirit of God that knows the mind of God that knows the mind of the Spirit, we know what you are praying in tongues about, and we simply answer specifically. You can intervene in a kidnapped case. Because you are persuaded to pray. You don't know what. And you start praying in tongues. You can be calling names and asking somebody to be released. If you speak in tongues, you can intervene 
in accident situations and cases. Because before the devil would have overtaken them in Arase, you would have cried in tongues and commanded the situation to be arrested. When you speak in tongues, you can pray for relatives that are far and those that are near. Those you do not know what their needs and problems are, but the Holy Ghost knows it all. This is your day. This is the hour. This is the time. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Shall we pray now? Brethren, arise and shine. Your light is here. The Spirit of God, the light of God, is upon us. The glory of God is upon us. Darkness covers the air. Gross darkness covers the people. The power of God is here. Receive the Holy Spirit. You are not asking for the Holy Spirit. You are receiving the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is already given. You don't ask for what is given. You receive what is given. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, the scripture said they received the Holy Spirit and started speaking in tongues. And when Paul lay hands on them, the Spirit came up them and they began to speak in tongues. Or they spake in tongues and prophesied. The Bible said Peter was speaking. The Spirit came upon them. They heard them speak in tongues and magnified God. As to for say, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. My friends, let me remind you. If you are a child of God and you are not an outcast, you are not a stranger. You are not a, you are not a vagabond. You are not a bastard. Then you are qualified. You are a bona fide child. It's your redemptive right. It's your family right. It's your new creation right. Nobody will circumvent you. Nobody will push you out. Nobody will deny you. The Holy Spirit is here for you. If you have not given your heart to Jesus, that's the only hindrance. If you have not given your heart to Jesus, you have not received what Jesus did for you on Calvary Street, that's the only hindrance. And you can receive Jesus today and be filled with the Holy Ghost today. You want to give your heart to Jesus and you are in this church? Please, can you stand on your feet and pray with me? You are not sure Jesus lives in you. You are guessing it. You need to be sure. Do you know how to be sure? Stand on your feet. And put your hand on your chest. I'll pray with you. And it will happen. The scripture says, Whoever that calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. The word of God says, believe in your heart that God raises up from the dead and confess with your mouth. The Lordship of Jesus, you shall be saved. With the heart a man believes unto righteousness, but with mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's number one call. Number two call, I get those that are born again, but you are not yet full of the Holy Ghost. With the evidence of speaking in tongues. Can you stand on your feet? Can you take this prayer with me? Lord Jesus. I thank you. For the gift of the Holy Spirit. I believe the Holy Ghost is mine. You have already given him. I am here to receive. And receive I will. And receive I must. Because I am a member of God's family. I am a child of God. I have Jesus in my heart. I am washed in the blood of Jesus. Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. I believe you with all my heart. Therefore, I know it. That the Holy Spirit is mine. This morning, outside here, before the entire congregation... I will not only receive the Holy Spirit, 
I will also speak in other tongues. I will also speak in other tongues. Thank you, Father, for this great gift. In the name of Jesus, I receive the Holy Spirit. Yes, I'll be